Welcome everyone. You are listening to the I Am a Spartan podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show. It will probably suck. <laughs> Scott Defane Knowles, and you are listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. On this episode, I have a super awesome guest, and the only way to introduce him is Christopher Mendoza. Christopher Mendoza, what is up, my man? Whoa, that's not that's not the way you, you introduced you know, me earlier when you first called me. When I called you up, I went, Christopher Mendoza. You know, I, I heard that song like one time, and I can't remember none of it, but from listening to Will's, you know, podcast, and he just plays that one clip over yeah. and over every episode. How can you not? I don't even know the beat of the song. It's been so long since I've heard it, but I remember that one part. Christopher Mendoza. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, and the funny thing is, uh, he found the guy who wrote that song. It was... The first half was about my other buddy, Maddie Gregg, and the second half was about me, but for some reason that little slow ballad just really stuck, so, you know, it is what it is. I don't understand. Well, it's like Justin Timberlake's the only one that's super famous from NSYNC, right? (laughs) So, you're the Justin Timberlake of that song, man. Congrats. Yeah, say it. Just say things, yeah. Just say it, yeah. Yeah. So... (laughs) For everybody out there that doesn't know who Christopher Mendoza is, he's run World's Toughest Mudder a bunch of times, and last year was probably like one of the worst conditions for it. And you went out there and like crushed it, took the race in like the last, what, half mile, and got 100 miles. Yep, yep, took it in the last half mile. Um, Yeah, like you said, super miserable conditions. I mean, I thought about quitting throughout the day and night. So, yeah, it was was pretty sweet and like – sweet win and i was uh, super stoked about it um especially just competing with uh trevor uh all night long so yeah, yeah. And, and was that your first orange coat or did you get one at another one you got one at another no, one didn't you? no i had actually the year that trevor had won in 2016 i had run 100 miles um that was the year that like trevor and azar austin azar were battling it out right and i was like far enough behind to like not be a part of that but i was a far had enough of anyone else that it was like my last 15 la- or miles were just like cruising, which was kind of nice. Um, yeah, that was like a big jump for me, but yeah, I got third that year. Well, so, so like, do you wear your orange coat like around town? Do you like go up into the Waffle House and be like, give me a Grand Slam, bitches, exactly. or an all star? No, Grand exactly Slams, Denny's. What I do, I wear it everywhere. <laughs> Um, and people give me weird looks, um, you know, when I go to the club, just wearing my orange coat, you know? I feel that's how, like... That's how you get free, free bottle service or whatever, I don't know, I never <laughs> actually go clubbing, I, I don't remember the last time I actually went out. <laughs> Man, I feel like the orange coat would totally be appropriate if you were selling used cars, I just feel like that's... Oh, yeah. That's the gig. Well, I remember, like, what was it, 20, yeah, 2016, or, well, I don't know, one of the years, I was just 
when it was in Vegas, me and, like, I remember Azar were wearing it that night at the bar. Like, <laughs> you know, it was just the night after the race. And, like, some people who weren't as part of the group were like, ooh, what is that orange coat? And I was like, wow, this is really weird that it's getting... I mean, obviously, it's, like, bright and getting weird attention, but I was like, maybe this could work. I don't know. I haven't really tested it outside of that. Oh, man, you should go for it. Yeah. <clears throat> that might be the new thing. Chicks are into orange coats. Yeah, you know, just why not? It's just probably the ugliest-looking coat I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, Chris, man, let's back up, dude. Like, tell us, like, where you're from, man, and how you got into OCR, man. Like, what led you on this path? Yeah, so, I mean, originally I'm from California. I grew up there, um... And then I uh, grew up in Fresno, which is like Central California. And then undergrad was in California. And then I did seven years of schooling in uh, Los Angeles. Holy crap. Uh, it's a lot yeah. of school. Yeah. So I did like 10 years of um, school. Um, so, yeah, I did undergrad and then dental school. And actually it was in dental school. And I had some, some friends be like, hey, like we should run this Tough Mudder. You just get shocked, and it's like some crazy, stupid event. Um, and so I was like, okay, let's do it. And at that point, I had never run probably more than like five miles in my life. No running background. I played volleyball in high school and college. Right. Um, was it beach then, volleyball? Yeah, uh, not much beach. Mainly like six on six indoor. I'm super short, so like I stayed in the back row. All right. short people. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, then I just did it, and I was like, oh, that was fun. And, like, I just remember finishing that, and, like, we ran some of it, but, like, hiked a lot of it. And I just remember being completely exhausted, like, after that that event. We, I think we did it in, like, Big Bear in SoCal. Yeah. And it was just, like, the craziest thing I'd ever done. Um, and that was, like, I think 2012, like, the summer of 2012. And then I had heard about this 24-hour race that Tough Mudder had put on, and I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. Let's, I'm kind of like one of these all-or-none type of people, so I just decided as my like first quote-unquote competitive race was going to be this 24-hour race. Nice. Um, yeah, just go for it. And I just jumped in 2014 for the first year in Las Vegas, and uh, yeah, I just uh, went out there and gave it my all, which was uh, I wanted to get 50 miles. Because, like, I had no clue what I was getting into. Um, and I was able to, like, barely get 50. Uh, that was, like, the year of the sandstorm. I, like, came in the pits, and, like, apparently my parents were crewing for me, and I was, like, hypothermic. Wasn't making sense. So they made sure, like, I warmed up um, before they let me out um, to go for one more lap in the morning to get my 50 miles. So, um, you know, it was one of those things where you finish the race, and you're just like, I'm never doing anything like that again. Right. And, uh, yeah, that next year, it's like... Might as well do it again. Yeah, might as well. So, like, I think it, that year after, I started doing uh, a few Spartan races that were local and things like that. Um, yeah, and then it just kind of kind of uh, snowballed out of control since then, you know, just running all different types of races. Well, I'll say, like, mainly, mainly Spartan races um, and then, like, the long-distance Tough Mudder races. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You know, it's weird because, like, once you go through a really bad suffering, you think it would stick with you, like, right after it happens, but, like, a couple of weeks later, you, you're you're already in, like, yeah, I'd do that again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, like, super cool. I mean, there's always, like, 
shared bonding with the other people that you went through or went through the event through, which is kind of like, it's kind of weird, but it's like you become closer with those people around you that you have this crappy experience with. And then, but you also have this like sense of accomplishment. Like I was, I was talking to my buddy this past weekend and he's run World Cup a few times. And I told him, I was like, dude, I can't, I actually can't imagine right now running like doing this race for 24 hours. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I know. And it's like, we've done it multiple times. And it just like doesn't make sense in our minds why or how we do it. But it's just that like, that feeling of, wow, you can do way more than you think you can, which is insane. Like I would have never thought that I would ever be able to run a hundred miles or do any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I am now. Um, I mean, to kind of circle back, uh, I moved to Colorado about a year and a half ago once I finished residency, um, pretty much for the reason of like being in a place where everyone loves the outdoors and everyone's training and everyone's a professional athlete and I suck compared to all of them, <laughs> which is kind of like awesome just because you walk around town and you see all these professional athletes and it's so cool and kind of demoralizing if you ever look at Strava, so, which is why I don't really look at Strava. Right. So... Yeah. When you decided that you were going to do a 24-hour race, you know, and you had just finished all this school, and were your parents, like, freaking up? But what if you mess up your hands? You're going to ruin your career, you know? Oh, my gosh. So many people, like, were, yeah, that's, I think, what I hear the most commonly. Like, oh, you're going to mess up your hands. You're going to hurt your hands. You're, you know, you're going to hurt yourself and not be able to practice. Um, so two things. One is, thankfully, I decided – to specialize in anesthesia. So, yes, I do need my hands, but not as much. But not as much. You just got to make sure they're knocked out, and then you just kick back, and then they do what they got to do, and then you're like, all right, wake up. Exactly. You know, I snap my finger, and boom. Yeah. to wake up. That's it. So, (laughs) if I can't snap my fingers, I can't do anesthesia. So, as long as I can do that, we're good. Um, (laughs) But then, uh, I don't know, the the other thing is just like, you can hurt yourself doing anything. It's true. Like, I was, I think I remember it was, like, I think it was after, like, I did, like, this really long, like, 70-mile run that I was, like, it was, like, a personal fun project of mine, and, like, two days later, I was cleaning my room, and I stubbed my toe, and I broke my toe, and I was, like, well, I just ran for 70 miles and was fine. Obviously, I was sore, but, like, you know, anything could happen, and I would rather, like, you know, experience life and just like live it to the fullest and enjoy what I'm doing. And yeah, if I get hurt, like I'll face it when, uh, when yeah. it comes, but you know, I can get hurt going to work or sitting in my house. So that's right. And, and wanna, it, it usually, it usually seems like you get hurt doing something stupid around the house or it happens yeah. at work, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, obviously it's like doing all these events. It's like you train for them and you prepare for them, you know, so that you have, you and don't I, get hurt. And I much. think and I think a, a lot to say about that is is when you're at the race you're like totally in tune with what you're doing. You're at 100% concentration when when you're at home walking around the house or doing chores or something like that. You're you're not a hundred percent mindset there, you know, because it's stuff you've done a million times, you know, or or if you're at work, it's the same thing, you know. And then hindsight, after you get hurt, you'd be like, "That was dumb. What was I thinking?" You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, especially at, like these races, you're either I don't know, it's either your point, you're either hundred percent on, or you're hundred percent delirious. So yeah, you know, it just depends what time of night and how cold it is up there. Oh yeah, I'm sure. 
<laughs> I don't see how y'all do that. Running in the wetsuits when it gets 30 degrees, I can't, uh, I can't fathom that. <laughs> no, I can't either. I just do it, apparently. I just, like, go. I was listening to Wheels. He was interviewing Yancey, and Yancey was talking about doubling up bleg mitts. And I'm like, if I got to double up bleg mitts to run a race, damn it, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, it's a, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird, like, sport or thing. Like, like I, like, I was talking to a friend the other day, and, like, she's a super fast runner, like, and she was asking about, like, these races. And I was like, well, I'm not necessarily, like, super fast compared to like pure trail runners around here i've got a lot of grit that's what you know. dude i was like but i can suffer yeah that's what i have that is my skill i can suffer and you know when it comes over 24 hours and you just keep moving and just keep going for it you know you got you to be willing to get things. numb toes uh yeah frostbitten toes apparently mm. yeah. yeah 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 man that sucks yeah, worth it worth it. worth it hashtag worth it Exactly. Hashtag yeah. toes overrated. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, tell me about, like, how do you prepare for, like, you know, I noticed you've been doing ultras this year with Spartan. How do yeah. you, what is your difference in preparing for, like, an ultra versus a 24-hour event? Yeah, so, like, you mean, like, Spartan Ultra, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... To be honest, I think my training doesn't change too much, because um, like at the end of the day, I don't know. My mindset is I have to really enjoy the process of doing what I'm doing, and so I really just focus on enjoying training and then like having fun with it. So like over the summer, I'm typically doing a lot more super long days in the mountains um, here in Colorado. What's a long day? Uh, like five to eight hours. Holy crap. Uh, but like you're not running <laughs> like hard the whole time. Like you're in this low level aerobic. Like, you know, the classic thing that people do is like doing 14ers or like, you know, getting high up in, uh, getting high altitude um, right. runs in. And it's like you're not moving fast, but you're, getting a lot of time on feet, like, you're, for me, I'm just exploring. I'm, like, exploring new places, and that's what I see it as. Um, it's just, like, a really cool way to, like, propel yourself to see these amazing views and, like, get out in nature and stuff, so um, it's pretty awesome. And then, like, for an ultra, you don't need to be out um, running for that long when you're training. Um, right. But, yeah, like, I don't... I don't think it changes too much, um, but mainly because I'm also, like, I know that the 24-hour race is my big race of the year, and so, like, whatever else I'm doing is just kind of, like, supplementing, um, like, my training for, for a, a bigger race. So you've been doing this a while. You know what your body's can do and what it's ready for, but was there a time, like, in the beginning where you were planning to do these longer ultra distances and you were trying to put in more volume did you ever come across like man i'm starting to hurt a little bit here what did you do at that point to you know to continue your training yeah oh no definitely like i think 2017 is the summer of 2017 i had like a like a pre-stress fracture which put me out for a while 
which is thankfully like probably my biggest injury. Um, I dealt with a little bit this past year, like some tendonitis in my leg. And a lot of times it just comes down to like reevaluating what you're doing. So, you know, to do these longer races, you kind of have to like learn to run further. And it's kind of like this, this yin and this yang versus, you know, trying to up your mileage, but also, like you said, trying to stay healthy. Right. Um, and I think a big part when you're starting to up your mileage is like, look like be comfortable running slower. And I think that when I made, when I've made my best transitions into like, like getting fitter, I've been, you know, bumping my mileage up slowly, but I'm also like, remember you can't have the same intensity. Right. And then once you kind of bump up to that, mileage or that time on feet or whatever you're using then you could start adding intensity back at that level until you kind of want to add some more mileage um and then the other thing that i think is kind of overlooked is when you're training a lot remember that you have to feel your body um and i think that's one thing that i made a mistake um in the past is i was i was like you know what i want to get lighter for these super long races and I started, like, upping my mileage, but I was also, like, trying to lose weight and eat less, which is the worst thing you can do because that's how I, you know, pretty much had a stress fracture in my foot. But you're not feeling your body to compete. So, I mean, just making sure that you're looking at the amount of fuel you're putting in and making sure that it's uh, enough to facilitate what you want to do. It's huge. Right. So what – about how many miles a week are you putting in now that you've gotten to where you're at? So typically I'm running, I don't know, like around average of 80 miles a week or so. Um, it kind of just depends on like... Workflow yeah, and everything. Yeah, like work and kind of just like... Like this week I was kind of probably ran like almost 90, but I also did run like 45 miles over the weekend right um racing so it's it's kind of ebbs and flows um but yeah i would say on average it's about 80 and i mean the other thing you got to take into consideration is what kind of miles are you putting in like are you running flat um you know flat roads or are you running mountain miles where you're like getting 15 20,000 feet of gain in a week so that's another big thing that i I remember I had to adjust to because when I started really enjoying running in the mountains is like remembering to kind of at, at least at first like I talk in miles but really I measure things in time, in time. because like 50 miles running on the road is not and flat is not the same as running 50 miles in the mountains Hell no. it might take you twice as long and so like that was one thing is like there was probably a two-year period where my mileage, quote unquote, didn't increase, but my my vertical uh, gain per week was like ten thousand more per week. So, yeah, that's something else that you really should pay attention to, especially if you're like just trying to figure stuff out and kind of don't know what you can handle. Is at first just make sure that everything is time based. Um, right now, it's like I kind of have like a almost routine mileage and elevation gain, so I can kind of gauge it that way yeah so. but, you, but you, like you said you're at the point now where you know what you can handle what your body can do and where when you need to back off and when you, you know when you can go forward yeah yeah and like this year i started working 
with, um, like, like I said, I had no running background. And this is the first year. I was injured earlier this year, and I was just, like, not, you know, just in a bad place mentally. And so I reached out, got a running coach, and to be honest, he has me running less mileage, um, which is kind of hard to deal with sometimes. Like, yeah. in, my, in my mind, I just want to run more and more and more. But I'm actually, like, he, he knows where I'm at. He knows that my endurance is there, and so we're focusing more on, you know, some quality and not necessarily just a ton of volume. And I, I think it's, it's really helped my speed and um, just, like, how I'm feeling every week. Like, I don't feel trashed every week like I used to when I was, like, running, uh, coaching my, or I'll call it coaching myself. I was just running as much as I could pretty much when right. I had free time. So when you would when you would go out and run, would you just would you pick a day like today I'm gonna hit it hard or today or you just did it all by feel? Yeah, I mean, like to be honest, what I used to do was um, like, oh, today I got out early and I have two extra hours, so I'm gonna run long today. You know, and as long as I was feeling okay, like that would I would make sure that I would run as you know pretty much as far as I could that day. Um, and then. Knowing that, you know, especially with the hectic residency schedule, that there would be a day or two during the week where I probably wouldn't even be able to run at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It sucks when jobs get in the way, man. It's such a bummer. I know, right? Yeah. I, I'm like, it's the, the other thing that I've done, though, is my uh, coach makes sure he's like, you will have one rest day a week of running. Like, no running at least one day a week. And so I try to, like, base that around my schedule. Because there's usually one day a week that I'm super busy at work. Um, and otherwise, I can kind of, like, work my schedule around running – or work my running around my work schedule. So, yeah, it's not, not too bad. That's cool, man. So tell yeah. us about how this weekend uh, – looked like you had a good weekend out there. What was it? Toughest West? Is that what they called it? Yeah, so – we did toughest west. I actually ended up running tougher, the tougher wave in the, in the morning. morning, which is yeah, which is like the normal classic tough mudder wave. Um, just because I was there and I felt good, and I wanted to see um, how I feel, and so I did that. Went home or went to the hotel, napped for a couple hours, and then <laughs> ran toughest from eight p.m. until eight a.m. Uh, on a team relay, which was a lot of fun. So, how does the team relays? How do they work? I don't know. A, I know a little bit about Tough Mudder, but not like a, a lot. Is it where like two people go out at a time, or is it? Can you change that? Yeah, yeah. So they have like the two person and the four person team relay, but pretty much the rules are for both categories. It's everyone has to go out the very first lap on your team, and then every lap in between, fifty percent of your team has to go out. So if it's a two person relay, then only one person obviously goes out. If it's a four-person, two people have to go out at a time. And, you know, to be honest, like, if you have two really fast people, they could go out the whole time if they wanted. <laughs> but the other, t then all four or all two people on the relay team have to also run the very last lap together. Right. So, yeah. So how did y'all do it? Because y'all had a co-ed team, right? Yeah, so it was uh, me, um, Javier Escobar, um, Trevor Psychos, and Deanna Brass. And uh, we all took out, ran the first lap together, and then pretty much Javier and I ran together, and then Trevor and Deanna ran. 
together. And what we did is we, Javier and I, we took the first two, and then Trevor and Deanna ran the first lap, took a break, and then then we started alternating every two laps. Right. So then Trevor and Deanna went out for laps three and four, Javier and I went out for laps five and six, and then we just kind of kept going um, until until the point where we knew we only had to do one more lap, um, and then we all went out together. Right. Yeah. So how many miles did y'all end up getting as a team? You know, I think we got 55 miles. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun. Like, we, were, we were just trying to um, stay in front of the, the team uh, right behind us. That was our goal, like, just win, hopefully, with as few miles as possible. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they were actually pushing us pretty good all day. Um, they kind of burned out at the end, but they were – they were pretty fast. A bunch of local people from from Las Vegas, uh, mainly. So it was it was fun to you know kind of have to race a little bit, and then towards the end we started kind of chilling out a little bit, which was fun. That's cool, man. Sounds like y'all yeah, had fun. Man. I looked, at, I saw the Instagram videos everybody was putting out little shorts, and I saw where you took first in the uh, in the tougher wave in the morning too. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was definitely fun. Um, for me, it was. It was really wanting to get back and run it. So the, the Vegas course is where they had World's Toughest for four years. Right. And so for me, it was kind of a lot of nostalgia, and I just wanted to get out there and just, like, run the course again. Um, and some of the parts that we ran in the morning weren't in the toughest course. So it was really fun to kind of get to see that whole area again and just be back there. That was cool. I bet it was. <clears throat> you know, there, I've heard rumors that they're talking about taking – world's toughest back there next year oh is that what they're thinking I, that's just a rumor i heard i don't know how true it is it'll probably be in atlanta again yeah, yeah. that's, that's what not, i figured to be atlanta, fan of atlanta it's funny because people ask me what you think of atlanta and i'm like well it's cold i, I won there and i hated it so man i would I hate it too dude about it, but man my best Dude, we went to Bone Frog because my girlfriend had two free entries to Bone Frog, and we had to use them before the end of the year. So we was at Bone yep. Frog in Charlotte, and uh, okay. we went, and it was cold there. And we went and ran that that morning, and we were just watching everybody's Instagram stories that everybody's suffering at a uh, in Atlanta, world's toughest mudder. And we were just laying in the bed, being like, "Man, it sucks to be them." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, which is weird because like the next weekend, I think it was like. A low of like fifty something. So I live so I live know. in South Georgia, dude. So like no. Saturday morning, it was probably like fifty degrees here. Like this yeah. morning, it was probably like seventy degrees. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. hoping y'all honestly have better weather this year. Are you oh, going to run it this year? Too. Yeah. So I decided uh, recently that I was just gonna I'm gonna run world toughest. Um, you know, lots of factors. I really, really want to get out to Sweden and race there. Um, I mean, for me, like, looking at the course and them saying that there's 2,000 feet of gain for five miles yeah. makes me excited. That's crazy, <laughs> like, right? Like, that's, that's what I want. Like, I love mountain races. If you look at the me too. I did, I did Aspen, I did Killington, and Tahoe. I did Killington. Like, I was there, were you? Yeah, like, I just love the mountains. And me too. to be honest, like however I place is just kind of like a, a bonus. Um, 
you know, I tell people like, I just like to run in the mountains and it's, you know, it's, so that's why I race, you know, cause that's where I get enjoyment from. Cause at least if, you know, if everything hurts, I like, just look around and I'm like, man, it's a beautiful place. Uh, and like, if I'm running somewhere super flat and boring to me, like it's the it race is boring, it, boring. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And like, I don't know, for me, it's not my job. So I want to make sure I'm enjoying it and, you know, having fun going to places that I think are awesome. I mean, a lot of people give uh, Spartan hell because your obstacles are easy and, you know, they suck. They never innovate their obstacles. But, man, the venues, some of the venues they go to are just the best venues to put a race on. I mean, that's, to me, that's what I, I – I like the the venue races that you go to, you know. And I was watching everybody run Tahoe and watching the video. You know, I was like, man, that is such a beautiful venue. I mean, but – that cold weather they had god man i just i can't deal with cold races man oh my gosh it yeah no, it, it uh i went up to the top where it was really cold um for the championship race because i ran the ultra the day before and man there was a lot of suffering up there yeah. um it was like kind of cool to be up there and watch <laughs> it but it was also like just seeing the pain on people's faces it's like i knew what they were going through and it was like it hurt me too. Um, Were you up there saying you should have been at World's Toughest last year? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh man, it was just like miserable. It was like snowing and just yeah. It's just you know, it's like a different kind of race. And if you're not expecting to be in those conditions, it just sucks, you know. And I saw people who were like extremely underdressed, underprepared. Um, oh yeah, and just like. Oh, I just can't imagine being up there. Multiple people on the gondola down were like, you know, they dropped out like four miles in the race because they were just hypothermic, which was... And that's crazy. You know, man. it sucks to see, you know, when people are traveling all over the world and then come here and, you know, yep. four miles into their race, they're done. I know. And so that, that does suck, but, you know, I think it definitely made the race way more interesting on the guys and girls side. I know, you know, I was getting kind of like, man, I really wish I could go, and I almost dropped the money to go to it, and I was like, yeah. I so did not regret it after I saw what happened out there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad I ran on Saturday, and like, I mean, I was planning, like, the reason I was there was kind of just to, you know, hang out with my friends and support everyone on Sunday, and I was like, well, I might as well run, and thankfully, the ultra, like, the weather on Saturday was way nicer, so... Yeah. I'm glad I got to to do that, and then and then watch everyone suffer the next day. <laughs> I mean, it was actually pretty cold on Saturday. It was windy, super yeah. windy, but it wasn't snowing. At least when I was running, so I finished before the snowstorm. So, did you have to do the swim twice and all that stuff twice or during the ultra? So they made us they made us do the swim once, which I was kind of bummed about because I might get flack for this, but I didn't think the swim was that bad. Right, it was kind of cold, but it was super short, and I was like. Yeah, this is fine. Like, like actually, for instance, this past weekend at Toughest Vegas, like we have, there's the obstacle Arctic Enema, where it's just like you jump into a freezing Yeah, it's like puddle. an ice bath, right? Yeah, a little ice bath. Yeah, that was way worse than Tahoe Swim. Oh, like, sure. like there, like you have to get your head wet, and like I, I got out of the water at that obstacle Arctic Enema and was like dizzy, and like me and my the guy I was running with, every lap we were like just. We were running as fast as we could after that obstacle just to warm up. And, uh, yeah, like, I didn't think that the swim was terrible. I thought that up, up top, 
um, in like the football field area for the Spartan World Championships was way worse. Right. Because it's super windy. Um, you know, if it was snowing or like that's just getting in your face, like people who are failing ape hanger and getting like fully wet, you still have to get into the water at least halfway up, so that sucked. Um, and then the barbed wire crawl was up there, so you're just like moving slowly in this like freezing cold mess, and I felt like that was definitely the worst part of that course. Okay, so you're the first person I've talked to that's been to both races. So compared to up there at the top of Tahoe and at uh-huh. the top of Killington this past year, where was the wind blowing the worst? worse in Killington, but it hurt more in Tahoe. Oh, yeah, because it was colder. Because it was so much colder, yeah. Like, Killington was ridiculous. Yeah. It was so windy up there. It was. Um, I was so... Like, I thought I was going to get blown over. <laughs> but but here's here what... And I noticed this just from watching the live feed. What protected us from getting cold at Killington is you weren't up at the top, but just a little bit before you come back down. And there's way more forest that's blocking the wind too yeah like i remember i remember hitting this one patch i think it might have been after death march yeah where it was so windy and i would just like looked around it was super foggy and i was like screw this like just keep keep your head down and just run and honestly like three or four minutes later you were down far enough to where it wasn't very bad right um whereas tahoe you were up there for a while yeah um but yeah, I think that just like the actual wind was worse in in Killington, but it also wasn't as cold and a lot of other oh, yeah. factors. So yeah, I mean to me, I got a little my hands got a little numb at the fingers after I did the swim the second time. But I mean, yeah. I, I wore a sleeveless shirt. I mean, as long as you were moving and staying running, I mean, I never really got cold at Killington. Yeah, no, I was definitely like I think. Let's see, I wore shorts. Um, in Killington, but pretty much otherwise, like, the same thing, like, the same top and everything, right. and windbreaker, and I was more comfortable in Tahoe, or in Killington, than oh, Tahoe. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because there Tahoe wasn't, was, it, was it wasn't fine, even that cold. I think, what was it, like, mid-40s, high-40s when we started, and then it got up to, like, right below 60, I think, before the end of the day. Yeah. And to put it in perspective, though... This is what I tell people, like, make sure you know what race you're signing up for, because, like, I did the Tahoe, so I did Killington Ultra, and it took me, like, a little over eight hours, I think, and I think the Tahoe Ultra took me two less hours. That's insane. Because there was, like, half of the vertical game, I think it was less than half the vertical game in Tahoe. Really? Which was crazy yeah there was like eight maybe nine thousand i don't really remember oh wow yeah that was a lot less and we had like 17 in in killington yeah i remember man that heel after you did the sandbag carry on the ultra loop and it was just uncut there was no good path or trail through it that was the worst man (laughs) so i went on a hike the day after on like what i thought was the next mountain and i start looking up and i'm like this looks familiar, and I, I see, like, the cutout of, like, the, the place that we did the sandbag carry, and then the other, um, like, that other hill you're talking about that yeah. we had to climb up, and it was like, oh, yeah, like, those are, like, double black diamonds, and <laughs> Kempson, uh, uh, Ryan Kempson was telling me, he's like, oh, you guys got to do that part? He's like, that's the steepest grade on the mountain. I'm like, oh my God. fantastic, really? so good, yeah. but it was, 
it was like one of those things where it's like, I'm so excited. I've never been to Killington. I went for the experience of like, you know, getting a beat down from Killington, and I did, and it was like so much fun. And like, you I still got it. on the podium too. That's awesome, man. Not in Killington. No, nope. oh, you did fourth. Were you fourth? So, I was thinking you got third. I, I, <laughs> this is so sad and very funny. I failed the rig at the very end. Like, I was just done. Failed the rig. I, did I think too. I got to burpee 20, and then Luke Skyrunner, he passed me. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> it was so, like, I, I like, was on the ground. I thought he did it, and all I did was laugh just because I was like, this is, like, hilariously bad. Like, we've been battling for eight plus hours. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, yeah, it was, so, like, I don't know, if you look online, like, um, David and Josh and Luke, they have a good picture of it's them three standing and me, like, kneeling in shame in front of them, because, like, we had been, all four of us had been battling all day long, like, we were the only four that, like, saw each other the whole race. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, I lost out, but it was, it was pretty funny. Man, I don't know what it was about that rig, but I've done almost 100 Spartan races, and... I've only failed the rig three times, and two of those times were at Killington. Both laps, man. It's well, the, yeah, the way mean, those ropes after, were at the end, it was just, I don't know. I just couldn't get a good hold on them or something, or I was just wore yeah. out. Yeah, I was I was smoked after that race. It was so much fun. <laughs> it was a fun race, and every time I do Killington, I've done Killington Ultra twice, and I said, I ain't never doing an Ultra here again. I said it before I finished the... The first lap, I was like, man, why am I doing this? This is my last ultra, you know? And yeah, yeah. and then, like, after a couple of weeks, it's finished, and everybody's like, yeah, man, we're going to go back. And I'm like, uh, I might do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's funny, I think, how my, my perspective has shifted. Because, like, in the middle of that race, I was like, I need to come back to this. Like, right. this, this course is just so, like like ridiculous yeah like like i can't even i couldn't even run down the ski slope i was falling right the whole time and it was like it kind of made me like there's like a chip on my shoulder like that i need to like do a little better on that terrain um because it was it was brutal and i you know i just want to go back and suffer again actually uh the house i was staying at there was two people who were doing their first Spartan race, and they did the ultra. No way. Did they finish? Yeah, and they finished. That's epic, dude. I was dude. like, I, I like, man, it, my I hat's so off for them. Yeah, they train at uh, Jesse Bruce's gym. Who um, oh, he probably and, warned them is like, yeah, man, this is what it's going to happen. This uh, is how hard it's going to be. It, and it was like, it was like someone. It was one of their birthday presents. <laughs> yeah, I think like the girl bought her boyfriend like a birthday present. It was like, yeah, we're gonna do the ultra or something like that. And oh my gosh, like we were trying to track them and follow them because it was just man, for it to be your first ultra and like like their first race running that long, like they had never run longer than like a ten k or something. Holy shit! Yeah, that's that pretty. Just, like, that's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, I was mad respect for them. They were like, "When did you finish?" And I was like, "You guys don't want to know." So, Just good job. So apparently, <laughs> I've been home. I've been home for like six plus hours. <laughs> so apparently, Jesse Bruce is an awesome coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So go, you know, go get coached by Jesse. I need to go up there and visit his gym because all the pictures look awesome. 
Man, I remember the first ultra I did, and I was like so worried. I was like, man, I'm not going to finish this race, man. I was eating my watch. I was looking at it so much, just making sure I was, you know, staying on pace and everything, man. It was, it was crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially that one. Like, when they told us before the race, like 17,000 feet of gain, like, I, I told everyone in our house, I was like, there's no way they're doing that. They're definitely lying. <laughs> Like, and I believe, like, I didn't actually believe that they were going to do that. Like, 17,000? That seems impossible. Like, I tell Ultra, like, uh, some of, like, the trail runners around here about that course, and they're like, that seems very unlikely. I'm like, I thought so, too. But when you run up and down Double Black Diamonds the whole day, they can make it work. (laughs) Man, so many people that were just running the regular beast course when they saw that mile 14 marker and you were still going uphill, they were getting so pissed. (laughs) They were so pissed. And I was like, yeah, I just want to be like, please shut up. Um, This is mile 29, not mile 14. Right. Or there were some people that were talking about at the beginning of their loop when I started my second loop, that like, oh, like, we're at mile two, uh, 11 more to go. And I was like, actually, guys, uh, <laughs> don't don't get your hopes up. Yeah. It's longer. Quit looking at the yeah. mile markers and just run it, the race. Exactly, just run. Just yeah. run and enjoy it. Yeah. It's like last year when I run the ultra there, when I come into transition, I was like, yes, man, I'm halfway over, man. I'm pumped. I'm ready. Let's get out there and get it done. This year when yep. I come into transition, I was like, I don't want to go back out there, and the only reason why I'm going back out is because I know I don't have to do the ultra loop again. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. That made it so nice. Oh, it was man. so much shorter. It was so much shorter. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. that honestly was the extra push that was like, all right, I'm going to do this. Yeah. No, that was that was a pretty brutal ultra loop, but it was, you know, it was fun. Yeah, man, it was it was a good time. They really did a good job with that race. Yeah, I know. I I want to go back for sure. For sure. So, man, we still got world's toughest mutter coming up, and we've got ultra world championships and Dallas ultras this weekend. We got Carolina ultras coming up, and I think there's another ultra in SoCal too. Man, yeah, so, I think so tell us, like, how would you prepare? Whether you're a noob or whether, you know, you're a pro trying to make good position, like, what's the advice you would give to somebody that's going to do maybe a Spartan Ultra, man? So are you talking training? Are you talking gear? Or like, yeah. everything. I mean, the training's, the, the training's there. Okay. So yeah. what is your... So I'll say, it's a little too late for training, Yeah. But. <laughs> what's your strategy to say, like, okay, I'm going to do this Ultra Beast this weekend, and I'm wanting to, you know... One version, I want to survive. Another version is, I want to do well in placement. Yeah. Um, You know, I think that the biggest thing, well, for me, it's like going into a race like that, that's going to be super long, is just like, first your mindset. Um, Whenever I go into these races, like, I go in with a mindset, like, I'm ready to suffer and I want to suffer. And it's like, that's why I'm here. And I know it sounds like kind of weird, but it's like I love, it's like the challenge. You you embrace the challenge and you want to take it on. And like, kind of like the worse the conditions or the race is, like the better. And if you go into the race with a mindset like that, when stuff comes up, then, you know, you'll be able to be like, yeah, this is why I came here. Instead of, you know, trying to find any excuse to quit. Um, so kind of going into the race, that's, 
the first thing. And then the other thing is just thinking through the race and kind of knowing the obstacles and the terrain and thinking through what could go wrong and how to, how to work the problem, how to, um, you know, how to address the situation. So especially with these long races, it's not going to be like your stomach can go south, like you can get really tired. Like so many more things can go wrong in an ultra versus sprint. And so a lot of the race is problem solving. So it's like, oh, you know, this hurts or, yeah, my stomach hurts. What, what do I do to address it? So I think that coming up with all these scenarios in your mind, like, oh, what happens if I fail this obstacle or can't do this or, you know, I'm bonking or whatever, like think through those situations so that when it, if and when it does happen during a race, like you know what to do. Um, and I think that that's kind of one thing that helps me calm my nerves if I'm ever nervous before a race is just be very logical about it. Um, and it like really helped me, especially last year before World's Toughest, when I was like really worried about the cold. And then like uh, my friend, she's like, well, if it's really cold, then what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm going to put on my thicker wetsuit. And then she's Sounds like, like okay, a great friend. And what else? <laughs> and she's like, uh, and I'll probably like change my blood mitts or put on thicker mitts underneath. And she's like, okay, and what else? And just like going through it matter-of-factly, it starts to like, you know, really make the problems that are huge in your mind like very simple because they are kind of like emergency you know? preparedness. Yeah, exactly. Like you just go through all the situations, and then all of a sudden, all you have to do is just move, keep moving forward, and you're prepared for everything else. Right. Yeah. So, so I think that for me, like that was probably like one of the best pieces of advice I got. And so when I'm looking at a race and looking at the terrain, things like that, you know, just, you know, having a plan. Um, and then, like you said, if you're just trying to get through it, like make sure you have enough food, make sure you have enough water. Um, I like to bring like some stuff for like, like some Pepto or some anti-chafing cream, like certain little things like that that could really make a difference if, if you're planning on being out there for 12 plus hours. So is that like stuff you put in your drop bin? What else did you have in your drop bin? Yeah, um, usually have some Pedialyte, cause I love that. Uh, yeah, I'll have some, like, stomach medicine, you know, I'll have some, like, Tylenol. Um, I don't really want to get into the whole Advil Tylenol right. discussion. But, yeah, everybody uh, knows. I'll have, I'll have something like that, um, you know, if things are really hurting. And then, yeah, just, like, extra food, a couple different types of food. I'll always bring mustard packs with me. Um, for cramps too, because they're so small, um, I can just carry them with me, and then I just always bring a bunch of gels. But those sit well on my stomach. So if anything else works for for you, just make sure you're you have that with you. So do you carry hydration, or do you just depend on the aid stations? It depends on the race. Um, I typically, for an ultra, will bring at least one bottle with me. Um, sometimes two, and they're not like, I usually don't fill them all the way because I know that the aid stations are there. Right. But I've gotten into this rhythm where I like to like be able to constantly drink if I want to, um, and then constantly eat because if, when people run into problems on these super long races is like, we'll just use World's Tough as an example. Like they try to go all laugh without eating or drinking, come into the pits and then eat a bunch and drink a bunch 
and then your stomach is super heavy. Yeah. And then you try to go back out and run again. Whereas like for me, I only use that, we'll call it like the transition area or the pits as a place to pick up more supplies so that I can just keep eating like I've been doing. Right. Yeah. Because like you want to make sure, yeah, because then you're not going to be able to run if you eat a lot. So, you know, every 30, 45 minutes, taking a gel, making sure I'm getting my fluids in and electrolytes. And so were you just, were you using gels that had electrolytes or were you just depending on like the mustard in case you needed it? Uh, mustard in case I needed it. And then most of the time I, um, my packs, I put like, like a goo electrolyte tablets in them. Right. Or just whatever you guys have. Yeah. Right. So like, what do you do? Like, okay, I'm running an ultra tomorrow. Yeah. And it's Friday. What is your plan to prepare from Friday, Saturday morning up to the race? Yeah. I mean, I just try to get first off like a soup, like a good night's sleep. Like I think last or this past two, whatever, whatever Tahoe was like a month ago. Yeah. Like it's a 6 a.m. start. So I make sure that I'm in bed really early. Like I personally am a huge fan of sleep. So, um, you know, making sure that you're scheduled around, like, going to sleep early, which I know is hard a lot of these races, but uh, yeah, getting to sleep early, um, you know, getting a good meal the night before. Um, I like to stretch and roll out the night before just to kind of make sure everything's loose. Even the, the day before, I'll go for a jog to shake out my legs, usually in, like, Friday morning, we'll say. Um, and then just getting a good meal in the, the day before, I mean, try not to change too much. I think a lot of people get into this mindset where it's like, oh, I'm racing, so I need to, like, eat, eat pasta. Sort of something different. Yeah, well, I'm like, well, if you haven't eaten pasta, like, before your long runs normally, then don't do it. Yeah, like, let's go to the OG and put down some pasta. Oh, gosh, I've never <laughs> heard anyone call it that. Oh, <laughs> I... uh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's like, just kind of do what you've always done. Yeah, you want to get some carbs in there. Um I don't know. For me, it's not actually, I wouldn't recommend anyone to do this. I just love ice cream, so I usually eat ice cream. And it sits fine in my stomach, so I love ice cream. So I'll do that. But, uh, yeah, just get to sleep early. And then I like to wake up at least two hours before the race, which for, like, an ultra, waking up at four, not fun. Nope. Um, Especially, like, when, you know, I went to Killington, I was like, this is 2 a.m. for me. Which sucks. Oh, but, yeah. I bet uh, that was awful with the time change and everything. Yeah. Our room was like 45 minutes away, so we had to get up early for the drive of two. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, thankfully I was like 10 minutes or less. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like the biggest thing, getting some food in right when I wake up. I like coffee. Most important thing before the race, make sure you go to the bathroom. Hell, yeah. Like, coffee helps like with that, that is, too. That is why I eat before a race. Like, it's not because I'm super hungry. It's, like, to get my my system going and make sure I get it all out before I have to race. Yeah, get out the poops so, and the peeps. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. That's, that's like, my I need to do that before a race. That's the most important thing I'm going to do before a race. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, and then just, like, um, get to the venue. I try to get there a little early. Um, probably, like, 45 minutes early, just so, you know, if anything does go wrong or something happens, you're not flipping out about it. Um, and you can warm up if you have time. Some of these long races, you don't really need a huge warm-up. Just kind of move the legs around. And, um, yeah, if you have to go to the bathroom again, do that too, which has happened to me. So, yeah, yeah 
Yeah, yeah. And then just, I mean, and then once you're starting the ultra, like, just take it out easy. I think a lot of people, like, try to run these races like they're running a super, and they just completely crumble. So if you've never done an ultra, like, you want to make sure, for a lot of these long races, like, the best advice I've gotten, like, for pacing is, you know, the first half is about pace, and then the second half of the race is, is you actually race. So whether you're going for, you know, a 30-mile ultra, the first 15 miles should be super easy. And then if you really want to, like, turn it on, um, like, then you can really push it that last 15 if you have something left in the tank. Um, you know, if you're running World's Tough as Mudder, the first 12 hours you should feel pretty good. And then if you, again, really want to push it, you have 12 hours to do it. So right. um, I think people, you know, make the mistake of going out too hard in a lot of these races. See, now I always imagine, like you top elites that are like really fast that when y'all start a race, y'all just go out and y'all just keep each other in sight the whole time. And if you can hold on, you can. And if you can't, you know, you fall off and you don't really try to measure like, okay, my heart rate's too high or I'm running too fast right now. I mean, is that, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about that. Um, like, you definitely, you want to keep the people in sight, but you also, depending on how you're doing, like, you want to make sure that you know yourself. You gotta know your limits. Like, like, yeah, for instance, like, at the Tahoe Ultra, everyone got smoked by Chris Brown. I saw that. And I didn't know that he was running. Um, he must I be knew. like, a, I mean, I, I'm, okay. I've, I've been kind of following him, but he must be like a bad ultra runner on the other, on oh, just the ultra running side I'm taking. a badass ultra runner. So, yeah. I didn't, I never met him before. Someone said he might run it, but then they also said he was running the next day, so. Anyways, I just see this one guy taking off, and I'm like, oh, this guy's definitely coming back to us. You didn't but, treat him like the hooey on North Shore, did you? Yeah, no, he <laughs> took off, and I was like, but the rest of the pack was like running together. And then someone was like, oh, that's Chris Brown. And I'm like, oh, crap. I was like, well, he's gone. Whatever. Like, oh, wow. this, this guy, he's a top-notch runner. He runs he runs for Hoka right now. And he's like, I don't know if you know Western States. He's gotten top 10 there before. Like, he's an awesome ultra runner. I, I just um, re- I remember him saying something during, you know, when on, on the next day they saw him on the feed, you know. And yeah. they said, he run the ultra yesterday. And I was like, man, he must be a bad ultra runner to take first, come back the next day. You know, I, I, I haven't looked at like the stuff he's won in the past, but I saw he's just started doing some Spartans this year and I saw how much yeah. he, he won the first place by, it was almost, no, it, it was it an was hour and 45 minutes. Wasn't he? He was ahead of the second, wasn't he? Mm, I think it was like an hour. It was an hour. Yeah. It, it was a good, it was, em- it was embarrassing. <laughs> we crossed the line and we're like, uh, Oh, that, that was awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, he was yeah, already no, showered was, and had on another set of clothes by the time y'all come to Oh, us. yeah. Yeah, no, he's a, he's super fast. He's a really, really talented runner. Um, so, you know, it was, it was nice to know that at least it was him that I lost that badly to. But yeah. now I'm, like, motivated. I got to, like, you know, he's also Chris with a K. Now he's taking my thunder. Oh, man. The K, so but like, does he have an orange jacket, though? He does not. See? I know, and he's running Sweden this year, so I won't be able to race him. But maybe next year we'll do a 24-hour race against each other. Man, the next time you see him, you just need to put that orange coat on and be like, what's up? 
<laughs> the thing is, no one knows what that is. It doesn't matter. You do. It matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. He's got, a, he's got a pretty sweet red robe that he was wearing around Tahoe. That was pretty sexy. So. Oh, really? Man, I, I saw know. this guy in Atlanta a few weeks ago. And uh, he, for real, he was just walking around. He had a, a bathrobe on, and he sewed, like, you know, the Spartan patches, like the trifecta and the super. And he had on yeah. bedroom slippers, and I was like, check this dude out. He's cool. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Pimping around after, in the bathroom. I, I, I was sporting a onesie with my friend um, while we were watching the race. So that was nice and warm. It was fun. Oh, was that you in the video wearing the blue one? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking oh, yeah, that was yeah. Matt Kempson. Yeah, I was wearing the blue one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking that was Matt Kempson. <laughs> oh, no, no. I don't know where Kempson was that day. Oh, that's pretty oh, no, cool. He was, he was out there. He was out there. He was out there to support his brother, but, yeah. He was not dressed up. <laughs> he wasn't wearing the, the, the onesie that looked like an animal? No, what was it? No, it was a Cookie Monster onesie. The cookie Monster onesie. Yeah, we take this sport seriously, okay? Mainly, I just wanted to stay warm. Man, if if people took this sport too seriously, I mean, it, I just it, it wouldn't be fun if you took the sport too serious. Oh, that's what I'm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some people do, but man, yeah, I don't know. And you're right, and you can just see it, like, like in their post, in their faces, in their pictures. It's like, man, this is work to them. You know what? Yeah. I mean, you can see I, it. And the thing is, though, like, some people who this is their, this is their, like, job, like, I completely respect the fact that they take it so seriously. Oh, yeah. Because, like, this is how they make their living, and, you know, if they don't perform well, then they don't get sponsors, and blah, blah, blah. But for, like, 99.9% of us, it's like, yeah, I like to compete, and it's fun. But it's like, like I said, like, when Luke passed me and I got four, I could just laugh about it because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it's just like a really funny story to tell afterwards that, yeah, like we battled for eight hours and I suck and freaking lost by like 20 seconds, which is hilarious. <laughs> That's funny, man. I mean, yeah. it's bittersweet for sure. No, it, I, uh, I mean, to be honest, I like, even when it happened, I was just like, this is, this is funny. Like, if you're looking at it from, I guess, not my perspective, um, sometimes it's, like, fun to, like, look at, like, watching yourself, like, in a movie and being like, wow, this is a really shitty situation that the character just got thrown in and just being like, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. And just laughing about it. Yeah. It's not like anyone really cares. Like, so, I mean, no one, hopefully no one's going to think less of me because of that. No, that's why would they? I mean, exactly. that's happened to everybody that's been running, you know, yeah. in this sport any amount of time. But do you, like, kind of, like, go back and be <laughs> like, <laughs> do, you, do you, like, go back and think, okay, this dude beat me by a minute. I was had, like, ten burpees to go. Do you, like, think over the whole eight hours I was running this race, where could I have shaved off that extra minute? <laughs> oh, my gosh, of course. Yeah. All the time, you, like, yeah. And that's, like, one thing about... I should have just pissed my pants instead of stopping to pee. Oh, no, I do that all the time. (laughs) I've I've figured that one out. (laughs) I have no shame in that. I've run in a wetsuit for too long and done too many long races that I don't even know. When I'm racing 
And, like, there's a lot of obstacles. Yeah, I'm just peeing on myself. So. But have you pulled Sorry, a Medina in your wetsuit yet? <laughs> a Medina? No. No, no, no. Not, I'm not that serious. <laughs> the first time I met Miguel was after that race. And he's like, oh, like, he, I don't know, we met at UCLA. And he's like, oh, Miguel. And I was like, so are you the guy that hands that world up his mutter? And his face was like, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's me. And I was like, sorry, that's like kind of, because I was so new to the sport, that's the only thing I knew about him. And then obviously he's on the winning team. But, like, I was like, yep, this is how I know you. Great. Yeah. Did, Don't did think you, he was too pleased about that. You should have been like, man, you're fucking hardcore. <laughs> I know, dude, he is. Like, oh my gosh. I had to make that decision last year at World's Toughest, but I decided to take my wetsuit off. So it, it worked out, you know, yeah, overall. I mean, but man, sometimes you have to, like, think about it. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But yeah, but, like, think about it this way. What if you'd have lost by 30 seconds? And you'd be like, man, if I only oh. would have shit myself. <laughs> well, to, to be honest, I was, at that point, I was 90 miles in. I was down by 40 minutes, and my mentality was, I'm not going to win this race. I just want to get 100 miles, and obviously I just wanted to finish as fast as I could because I was just tired of being out there. Right. So I was like, yeah, like, you know, I knew Jesse wasn't going to pass me. He was behind me. He was like 10, 5 to 10 miles behind me. So it was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I can kind of just take my time um, finishing. So, like, I, didn't, I wasn't really worried at that point. It wasn't until I, like, got back to the pits that lap that I realized I was actually making time up on Trevor. Like, a lot of times, so. Yeah, like, my mentality at that point, like, I was kind of out of race mode, almost, and just, like, there was, like, the that one lap from 90 to 95 where I was just, like, okay, I'll run fast, but, um, yeah, no, I definitely decided to take a break. So, like, what was that zone you went to when they said, hey, you're gaining on them? I mean... At that point, yeah. how did you find the wheel to turn it up a notch when I'm sure your whole body is just screaming all over? Yeah, I, I don't even, I don't know. I mean, there's just, for, I mean, for me, like, this this race was, like, it meant a lot more to me than just, like, running for 24 hours. Um, it was... You know, it was the race that, like, what got me inspired to get into off-course racing was watching videos of Ryan Atkins and Amelia Boone, like, coming to the world's toughest and just, like, just wrecking people and wrecking themselves and just, like, doing things that they didn't think was possible and just, like, watching them, like, just, I don't know, just perform these crazy, these crazy, like, physical feats and... Just for me, like that was the race. Just first watching on online, like watching the YouTube videos, and then being there, that got me like into running, into obstacle course racing. So for me, like this race, it meant that meant a lot to me to do well at it. And when you have a chance to win a race that you like almost idolize um, in some respects, it's like I I couldn't do anything else but give it everything I had. That's why I was there. Like to give everything um, I, you know, I could. And, like, Sean Corvell, one of the start line, the start line MC, he's like, you know, nobody's better than your best. And, like, that, that's what he always says, and that always sticks with me, um, you know, in anything in life now. But I couldn't help but just, like, give it my very best and just, like, 
you know, give everything I had. And if, you know, if I gave everything I had and it, I got second, then, you know, that's how it goes. But um, I knew that I had a chance. Um, and Trevor is like a super good friend. And it was just like really cool to be racing him all day. Uh, and then just to be able to kind of dig super deep and then see him kind of worry about him, to be honest, because he, he had dropped, like, I think I gained 40 minutes on him in, like, eight miles. Wow. Um, so I was kind of worried about him. Um, also, though, I was, like, in race mode and yeah. uh, just, just had to go, you know. And he he was, like, super gracious. He just told me when I passed him, um, like, I asked how he was doing, and he was just, like, not good, but just, like, go get it, man. Like, you deserve this. Um, I'm proud of you, dude. Yeah. And so I pretty much ran that last half mile as hard as I could. <laughs> Man, this—I mean—that's what the sport's all about. I don't know how many of my friends, you know, even though we're running competitively, you know, you pass them, and I mean, I cheer, I cheer all my competitors on, and I mean, we all we all do the same thing back and forth to each other with all my friends. Man, it's it's not like you're out there running with your competitors. It's like you're just out there having a race with a bunch of your brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, and I've known Trevor for like four, three, four years. Uh, we've met through racing and like, yeah, it's like we love racing against each other because we know that when, you know, when he's out there, I know he's going to push me and he knows the same, like, we're going to give it our all and we're going to, you know, get the best out of each other. So, um, I, I really, like, that's probably my favorite part of racing. And I think that's one thing that draws me to these long races too, is there is a little bit more of that sense of pushing each other to be our best and like, um, yeah, like you're just out there suffering with these people. So you do have that like shared camaraderie. So yeah, for me, like that's one thing that kind of draws me to long races too. Yeah, and that's the big, I mean, even though this is a running sport, the obstacles is what makes you bond with the other people that are running, you know? Because if this was just mm -hmm. a trail run or a marathon on the street, half of everybody would have headphones in and they'd be in the zone just trying to run as fast as they can. You know, yep. but in, in these races, it's not like that. And you make these relationships, you know, there's a community that happens after the race, before the race, where everybody's talking and just making friends, you know, and everybody's cool to each other. Whereas, like, you go to a 5K, it's pretty much, you go there, you sign up, you run the race, it's over, boom, you're gone. You mean? Yeah. There's yeah. no after and like, party, or you know? Yeah, and like... I've done um, so a few, like, just running ultras, and I love them. Um, like I kind of mentioned about the Spartan races, I kind of choose based on where I want to, like, see, like, terrain that I want to be running in. Right. Um, so for me, it's, like, a super nice way to kind of have, like, just be able to see different places. And the thing about those races is they're not looped, which is awesome, because you don't have to see the same thing most of the time over and over. Some, some are, but you're not able to, like talk to as many people kind of like you mentioned right. because you might not see anyone for like hours if you're kind of running the same pace but you know half mile apart um uh, but honestly like mm. the trail and ultra community is oh way better than street oh yeah awesome right. oh it is amazing like i feel like it's very similar to the ocr community where it's like everyone's super nice and supportive and like you know you're we're competing with each other but also like we we're just everyone's kind of doing their best out there and yeah so for me like that's been huge especially being in Colorado there's obviously tons of trail runners here and it's just 
yeah, super, super fun to do. Have you seen the Everesting race that they do? The which one? It's called Everesting. Oh, no. So, and they do it, I know they do it in Utah, and they do it at the Stratton Mountain or City, wherever that's at in Vermont. So, what you do at this race is super expensive, too. So, what you oh, do... Oh, is this the one Matt Davis did? Yeah. Yeah. Like you just run up and down the mountain a thousand times. Yeah, you go you up it you, you go up, you ride the gondola oh, yeah. down yep. until you get to the same elevation as Mount Everest. Yeah. And they got these sweet little like tents they put you up in and they pretty much, you know, totally just take care of you five star treatment, you know, down in the little base camp for it or whatever, but you know, and I heard I heard his podcast on it, and that was where I learned about it. And then I went and investigated how much it costs to do it, and I was like, "Wow, nope, yeah, yeah it was nope. it was like, you I mean you think world's toughest motor's expensive? Oh, it ain't got shit on that. Yeah, it was well, like, like that's what, that's an extreme. Like, yeah, I've seen that. I, I know, yeah, I've seen that race. It's it's kind of, but it's like room and board seen, too, more or less. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's more like a resort experience and running. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like one of these dirtbag running events where it's like, <laughs> okay, we're going to like start at this tree and then we'll run 100 yeah. miles. And we didn't mark the trail at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, those are kind of like, I mean, obviously it's fun to have like big events, but it's always fun. It's fun too to have these like just super small trail runs that, I don't know, have no like, no publicity press. It's just like everyone's just running. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Another have you followed, I don't know, I don't know if you're into this at all, but have you heard of Big Backyard Ultra? Now, is that the one where it's kind of like you run until it's last man standing, kind of? Yep, yep, it's going on right now, and I've, it's like kind of hard to follow, but I've been following it, and there's two people left right now. That's insane. It's, yeah. What's the yeah, mileage up to? Last man standing. Huh? What's the mileage up to that they're at, you know? They are at... 245 miles. Holy crap. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder what the... She's... She might be the first female winner. Or finisher. They they call... Only one person finishes the race. So there's a guy and a girl right now. Oh, uh, wow. That's crazy, man. Looking crazy. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, there's so many weird races like that out there, which are kind of, like, fun to follow. And it's just, like, a different aspect of, like, endurance and sport. So, yeah. That's insane. Well, Chris, man, we're getting pretty long here in time, and, but I always <laughs> yeah, I have <laughs> I always have a couple of questions that I ask everybody, man. So, and you've probably yeah. already answered them a little bit, but okay. to this date, what is your your favorite race that you've ran so far, and why? World's toughest mutter, twenty eighteen, by far. It was also probably my least favorite in some respects. But, that was my that was my next uh, question. Was what was your worst? The one you hated the most. <laughs> uh, probably that, probably that one too. It's like there was probably twelve hours within that race that were my least favorite, and twelve hours that were my favorite. If that makes, it's such a long race that it could, you know, it's a two-faced race. Um, yeah, that, that has to be it. Well, man. So okay, and this is a question I've kind of added. So, what's something most people don't know about you? I mean, I would say that I'm like a dentist anesthesiologist. Most people just don't think I work, apparently. (laughs) 
which I get a lot of. <laughs> well, you are the like, anesthesiologist. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's I not just, like your hands I, deep in somebody's mouth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I uh, I don't feel like people want to see Instagram posts of me sitting in a chair watching monitors. Um, that probably doesn't appeal to people, so I usually don't post a lot about it. So obviously, like all my like social media stuff tends to be running in nature, um, and like I love my job, but I just don't think people are that interested in it. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they are. I just yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that one. What's the weirdest thing that's ever happened at the dentist office, man? The weirdest thing? Funniest oh. thing? I mean, well, we get, like, pretty much high patients all the time. They're not, like, actually high. It's just all the meds I give them. They, like, come out of anesthesia and oh, just yeah. say some weird crap. What's the funniest shit uh, somebody ever said? Well, <laughs> the funniest... <laughs> Okay, so I had to, so there's a few ways that you can, like, I see a lot of kids. Um, there was this one super uncooperative kid, but he was, like, 10, and he was too big. So a lot of times we like to just, like, get a kid asleep with a mask so they don't have to see, like, the IV needle. Right. But he was, like, super uncooperative, wouldn't even do the mask. Um, and I offered to give him, like, a drink of something that would get him kind of loopy. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't. And so I told the mom, I'm like, listen, like, she... He was big enough to where we couldn't really restrain him. And I was like, okay, the only way I can get him asleep enough to, like, start an IV and do everything was is to give him a shot in his arm. So pretty much, you know, I drew up my medications. I gave him a quick shot in his arm, um, you know, before he can really react. You know, I tried to be sneaky. And he, he looked at me, and he's like, you whore. <laughs> and I, I start dying laughing. I'm just like, and the mom is so embarrassed. That's She's hilarious. Like, oh my gosh. I can't believe she just called the anesthesiologist a whore. I thought it was hilarious. That is funny. Um, but he had a little bit of a potty mouth, especially when he woke up. I like made sure like after the whole procedure was done, he was like, F-bombing this, F-bombing that. I'm like, dude, you're 10. That's funny, um, man. And I was like, man, you, and I was like, before I like let him go home, I was like, do you love your mother? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, fine. Now you can go home. Like, Thanks, you whore of an anesthesiologist. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I was like, I can't believe I just got called a whore by a 10-year-old. <laughs> uh, that is actually, yeah. Man, I'd have died uh, laughing, too. That's just I, that's I, too I was. I was laughing so hard. I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'd be like, man, Whatever. I'm glad that kid's not mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole yeah other issue, but yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, you're going to world's toughest mutter. You you're running individual too, right? Correct. Yeah. Is is Trevor running too? You're gonna duke it out again? We're gonna duke it out again. It's gonna be fun. I'm excited. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Are y'all gonna try as hard as y'all did last year, seeing as there's not gonna be prize money? Or are y'all just gonna just stay in front of everybody else and just? Make sure y'all battle it out in the last lap. No, I think we're, I mean, I'm going in the mindset, like, same thing. Prize money is, like, whatever. I'm just, I'm still going to try. That's why, I'm, that's why I train. That's why I race, you know. It's my big race of the year. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it all out there. I think it speaks a lot for both of y'all caring about the brand and the race for y'all to still go back there and, you know, and throw your hat into the ring, even though you know that, 
you're doing it just because you love the sport and you love the race and it's not about the reward at the end of the yeah, I mean, like you say, it's not about the reward, but you're just talking. There's a, that's like a financial reward, you know. Right. There's so many other things going into like running a race that just make me happy. Um, as, as much suffering as we go through, it's like such a cool experience, and to to be out there with all the other people, whether you know they're there for their first time, whether they're trying to run 50 miles or 25 miles or 75 miles. It's like it's such a cool experience to see everyone like push themselves and like just having that shared bond of like pushing for 24 hours is super cool. And, you know, I've made some great friends. And so like that's a huge, it's like a huge reason I'm going back is because so many of my friends are going to be there and just to share that, that 24 hours and is, is just an awesome experience. So yeah, I'm excited. That's cool, man. Well, I'm not running it, but I am going to volunteer for Saturday. So, and I'm going to run the hot lap on Friday so I can see what y'all are going through. Oh, nice. Yeah, I will not be doing that. So, if the temperatures are bad, you know, at 8 o'clock, I'll just be like, y'all have fun. Yeah, you're going to be the smart one. I'm going home. I'll watch the live stream. I'll be nice and warm. Right. So, I'm. So what advice would you give me? Because, like I said, I've never done a Toughest Mudder event. I feel like I have because I've been listening to Wheels podcast for like two years, and I keep saying I'm going to go do a Tough Mudder, but I just haven't. So this is going to be my first one. So what advice would you give me for being a volunteer? Because I think I signed up to volunteer at one of the obstacles. What advice would you give me, Chris? As a volunteer? As a volunteer. Uh, Man, I would just say like, Bring your, like, enthusiasm, because, like, every year there's, like, a few people that just bright up, like, my day as a runner. Um, it's, like, whether it's, like, Mike, this guy, Mike Jones, he's got a big sombrero, he's just giving hugs to everyone who's out there. Um, last year there was a random guy who just kept yelling, like, woo, like, over and over. <laughs> I called him the woo guy, and he's just, like, he's out there, and he's, like, you know, just trying to lift everyone's spirits up. So just like, I don't know, doing something funny or just encouraging people out there is, is really, um, it's really helpful. Cause like you'll get to some volunteers and they're just like, yeah, on their phone, go through, this, go through that. And that's like, okay, mm-hmm. great. Like, um, but I look forward to like going through those obstacles with the volunteers that are, um, you know, you know, have some energy and, are really like enthusiastic and a lot of them take it like just as seriously as I do racing. Um, you know, they're like out there for 24 hours and like, you know, they're like to them, this is like their, their big event too. Um, but their, their gift is, you know, to all of us just helping us out. So, um, again, super cool people are usually out there volunteering and, um, because it takes a special kind of person to be out there Especially in the freezing cold and they're not moving. Yeah, that's why. So, I, that's why I signed up for the day shift. I'm hoping the weather will be better yeah. during the day, at least. Yeah, smart man, <laughs> smart man. Yeah, I think yeah. my shift's like ten to eight on Saturday. Oh, okay, okay. So. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, you get to see all the, all the fun stuff at the beginning. Yeah, um, and then when my shift's over, back. I'm just gonna hang around until I get tired. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Pretty fun in the pit area. Um, so yeah. Sure, you'll have a good time. Cool, man. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Chris, man, is there anything else you want to add to this where people can follow you if you want any more followers? <laughs> no. Um, I actually 
actually just changed my Instagram name to Doza underscore da, like D-A underscore dentist. Just because there was so much confusion that I actually worked, so I was like, you know what, this will be great. <laughs> People will actually know I work for a living. Doza so, da dentist. Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, feel free to like hit me up with any questions. I'm usually but free to help from... You know, I love, I love meeting people. I love, you know, helping people out because, you know, for me, I'm one of those people who has gone from, like, no running, none of this background to, like, being pretty decent at it. Uh, I would say pretty okay. So I like to help people um, in their journey, too. So really appreciate it uh, letting me come on the show. Yeah, it's been it's been great, and I'm excited for uh, to see, like, this kind of like ultra championship series unfold this year. Yeah, man. A lot of stuff going on in the ultra community here. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, man. We'll shoot Chris, man. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. And I will see you, uh, in Atlanta. Yeah. In a few weeks, hopefully it'll be warmer. That's what I'm praying for. All right. Later, man. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Chris again for taking time to talk to us. Dude's a freaking inspiration to the OCR community, and it was a delight to talk to him. I want to thank everybody that come up to me and said what's up in Atlanta and just told me they listened to the podcast and they're enjoying it. It means a lot, and uh, it inspires me. Always come up to me and say what's up, man. I love talking to everybody at the races. It's, it's what makes it fun. I mean, the race is one point, but the community is what makes it to where you keep coming back, at least for me anyway. So follow us on Instagram and Facebook, leave a review, I'll read it, be part of the show. I will be at World's Toughest Motor in a few weeks. I'm going to do the hot lap on Friday and going to volunteer on Saturday. Looking forward to doing that. Anyway, we'll see you the next race. Later.